We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. here of setting the pace and no michael j Focci today but we've got rep bauer back and we are excited to talk about this indiana pacers team some stuff that happened around the league today but you know red before we jump into that trade that happened between the hawks and the jazz i want to get your thoughts on this year's draft you know pacers take jairus walker they trade back from seven to eight pick up two additional second round picks they get ben shepherd and at pick 26 and then made some minor moves there in the second round um let's talk about the first round first what were your thoughts on that I think you know well that I was very much a Taylor Hendricks guy heading into the draft, but I kind of knew, I felt like Jairus Walker would be the pick, but uh, I definitely have some high expectations for him. You know, I think the Pacers liking him as much as they seem to, uh, talking about it after the draft, like there's lip service and then there's like, no, like we're actually psyched to have this guy and talking about him as a primary ball handler is, uh, is very, very different than what he was at Houston. And so that's something that if they're excited about that, uh, I'm going to be excited about it. Ben Shepard, I, I, I took a screenshot of a tweet that I sent Derek in the middle of the draft talking about six, five non-shooters. And I had Shepard in there. I know Shepard was a good shooter. Like it was six, five or non-shooters. Like, so I'm, I'm excited about him. You know, Carlisle's going to love to play an old guy who knows how to play basketball and can shoot the leather off the ball. Didn't, like seeing all those guys go from, you know, 40 and on. It was like Max Lewis, Gigi Jackson. Uh, there was so City Sissoko, another one. All yeah. these guys that I had in the first round that went right after the pick that we traded to the Lakers for $4 million. Um, I understand the roster crunch, but man, that was, I, that hurt so bad to see um, <laughs> Mojave King be the result of that, even if he is going to be. Uh, a stash guy, so that'll be fun to see what he ends up turning into. But no, I think overall it was a pretty good night. Uh, the Pacers somehow giving getting the Wizards to give them two picks to move up and 
take a guy that the Pacers absolutely were not going to take. I don't know how Kippy pulled that off, but hats off to him. You got to think Utah had something to trade up ahead of them for the Pacers to fall back to nine. I, I just that's the only thing that makes sense to me because I think there's been some reporting out there that said it wasn't San Antonio because the Pacers I don't think wanted to completely trade out of the draft. It could have been OKC at twelve, but they didn't want to move back all the way to twelve because they wouldn't have been able to get their guy. I just feel like, you know, they were like, we really want to get Jairus, but we also want to maybe pick up some assets along the way. And, you know, it would have been interesting had they went back to nine to see what Washington would have done at eight if the Utah had, had jumped up to seven. I'm just kind of speculating because I think if they jump up to seven to get Bilal, who does, who do you think Washington takes there at eight? Oh, man. I can, uh, I want to say Whitmore. Just because he's, just, he's the highest upside absolute sling for the fences, but would they just take? Because they, I don't know. Do they take Hendricks? I don't think they would. Like Do they that's, take Jairus out of spite. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a. I don't know what the heck the Wizards were gonna do. Anthony Black and Asar not being there kind of threw off my entire expectation for what they were gonna do. But uh, mm. yeah, I don't know. The Wizards making big moves. Yeah, they did. They did. So it, it worked out. You know, the second round, it was interesting. I mean, I talked with Fachi about this a little bit on the last Mailbag podcast, but I was curious your thoughts. You know, Mojave King, 47th pick, draft and stash. Why not just take him at 55 for your draft and stash? Do you think he would have been off the board by that point? No, absolutely not. No. Yeah. And, and the thing for me is like, so I think they prioritized that because they assumed that whoever they got at 55 would be a guy that would be on a two-way and likely not make the roster when the time comes in October, right? So they went ahead and was like, okay, we know this guy is willing to be stashed. So that is actually a better use of assets and draft picks than hoping he's there at 55. He ends up not being there. It's like, okay, well, now we wasted pick 47 on a guy who's not going to make the roster. So I think in that vein – that's the only reason why it's defensible. But even then, I think he was going to be there at 55. Like, I don't think a lot of people had him. I mean, he was on the fringe. Mm-hmm. Like, he's in that he's in that group of guys, like, could be drafted. That's, like, prospects 50 to 80. So, you know, yeah. it's, like, all over the place. Yeah, I, I think in one of our uh, community mock drafts with Mavs draft, I did pick him at, like, 55 just because he had had a workout for the Pacers recently. I was like, yeah, okay. It's like, at that point, it is such a crapshoot when you get to that point in the draft. But... You know, I'm I'm curious your thoughts because do you think 55 and 47 could have got you above 45 to get Gigi Jackson? Or do you think maybe throwing in one of those future seconds from one of those teams and 47, jumping maybe Uh, up to 44 could have got you Gigi at that point? I am pulling up the draft order because I want to see. I don't know. Because 45 was who, Memphis? Is that who got him? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay, let me see. Yeah, well, I guess any site that I use is probably not going to be correct because of how many stinking trades there were. But uh, I I think that those two picks probably could have gotten something, but it definitely seemed like the teams that were willing to move within the second round were using the... uh, you know, future assets to do so. There weren't a ton of, oh, you know, these two seconds for this second. There were a couple in the early 30s, but not way beyond that, I don't think. Okay, so it was... Mm, 
Hornets at 41. They had 39. They traded that to Hawks. I don't know. Yeah, you definitely could have. I think you could have gotten up there. Who was at 42? 42's Wizards, uh, 43 Blazers, 44 Spurs. I know the Spurs would not have done it because they really wanted City Sissoko. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think the Grizzlies would have done it with Gigi being there. Um, so it's a bummer. Yeah. Portland got repaired, didn't they? At 43. They did. Yep. So yeah, I think okay. that's a guy that they probably aren't going to trade back for and leave on the board with the situation that they might be in. Yeah. I guess uh, Chris Haynes just tweeted something out that the Blazers just met with Dame and they're going to stick with him for now. Yeah, until uh, tomorrow but, night, and they're going to. Yeah, change. I was gonna say. Mm, yeah, let's let's see how see how a couple yeah. couple days go. Dame will wrap a a lyric on Instagram Live, and it'll be like, "Oh, is Dame wanting to go back to Miami after the reports came out last night?" Which, like, we can't God. get you Draymond Green, but we can get you Trey Lyles, which is very similar. It's like okay. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, we'll see what happens with all that. I mean, I'm I'm honestly just sick and tired of hearing about a new Dame update every like 12 hours. It's like, we know what you're going to do. You're either going to trade him or you're not. And at this point, nobody knows because you never know what's going to be out there. So it's an option. I think people are excited about trying to make that move for him. But I also think the reason that stuff gets leaked tonight is because they're not getting the offers that they want for Dame. So they're like, all right, we're just going to keep him. So it's just going to be a flip flop until something happens. But We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Let's let's kind of talk about today's trade because I thought it was very interesting. John Collins, a name that's been linked to multiple different teams throughout his career, always in trade rumors. Uh, he was linked to the Pacers earlier this year, I think even last offseason as well, as a potential guy the Pacers could maybe target for that power forward spot. Has a pretty big contract, about $27 million per year. He gets basically salary dumped to the Utah Jazz, who had... Oh, not basically. It was. Very exactly salary dumped. Yes. I'm being a little (laughs) bit nice here with my words. Uh, He got traded to Utah for a second-round pick, and you forgot he was on the roster still, Rudy Gay. So it was just like one of those shocking moments when you saw the trade, you're like, that's the return for him? So... 
I, I kind of feel for Atlanta Hawks fans because this is a guy that you've been trying to put in trade packages to get a name, and this is what you get back in return. Yeah, you do get some cap flexibility, but I just feel like for the Hawks, this is such a this is such a sell low on John Collins. Uh, even if he's not a great basketball player or doesn't fit what you're trying to do, to me it's a little bit puzzling to see this is what they got value-wise back for him. Uh, what were your thoughts when you first saw the trade? I wasn't surprised at the price. I think the way that Atlanta has to move forward is looking at DeJounte Murray hitting unrestricted free agency. Onyeka Okongwu is extension eligible in a couple weeks. Uh, Sadiq Bey extension eligible. And then they've got guys like Jalen Johnson on, on the way with uh, Clint Capella hitting unrestricted free agency too. Like their, their salary situation was, they could not keep it the way that it was. And it seemed very clear that there weren't very many teams willing to give value for John Collins. Otherwise, I feel like the Hawks probably would have taken it. Yeah, and that yeah. probably could have been taken the last three years. But uh, yeah, so I think that that's one of those things where, okay, you you don't like salary dumping a guy like John Collins. And I, I don't, I think that's pretty bad business to do it that way. But they also put themselves in this situation um, and so you kind of just have to go for it. I love it for the Jazz. I know that they've got Laurie Marketing. They just drafted Taylor Hendricks, but this was literally cost them nothing except Rudy Gay and a second round pick that hasn't even been solidified yet, as far as I know. I think Tony Jones had something, but I, that's such a low cost for a guy who had twenty, who averaged twenty and ten one year. Yeah, and who proved he could shoot, and now you can rehab his value. And you saw what Ainge did with Rudy Gobert and Donald Mitchell. So who knows? He's probably going to sucker some other team into trading him like four or five firsts in a year <laughs> or two, and uh, end up just keep churning out all those ridiculous trades. But no, it it's kind of predictable, but it also is still surprising that it was that egregious of a salary dump. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Like I totally get his value was down. I I definitely. Felt like as a Pacer fan when his name was linked to us, you know, there was times where I'm like, yeah, the idea of John Collins is a lot better than the actuality of him. I think he would have made some sense at the four, but at the same time, $27 million a year for the next three years, is just a heavy price to pay somebody, especially when you're just not sure exactly what they do. Great. <laughs> they do nothing great in my, I don't think John Collins is really anything great. He's just kind of a solid player all around. Um, but you look at what Utah did last year. I mean, everyone's like, Laurie Markinen, he can't play the three. Well, he played the three in Cleveland. Then he actually played the three a little bit last year in Utah next to Olenek and uh, Walker Kessler. So they can go out there and play John Collins and Laurie Markinen with Walker Kessler. I think you could even go a little bit of small ball basketball instead of having Kessler out there. Maybe you have Taylor Hendricks out there with uh, Laurie Markinen and John Collins as well. So there's a lot of optionality there for this team, specifically in the front court. And like you said, if John Collins' value gets you know re uh, revived out there in Utah, then you never know. There could be a potential trade candidate out there that makes a lot of sense, and you, you move on and you figure things out. But I just feel like for Atlanta, who knows what's going to happen because we've been hearing a lot of different rumblings about players they could be getting rid of. I, I'm at a loss for words with how they're going to try to figure out this roster and, and, and put it all together. Yeah, I there's a crazy concept, and it's called having positional size everywhere. <laughs> so Lori Markkinen at the three is seven foot is is pretty good. Then you got John Collins at the four who can jump and shoot and 
do some stuff either on the ball as like kind of a perimeter four defender. Don't love it, but he's really good at the back line. Like you just have plus size everywhere. It's crazy. Um, but no, I, Atlanta's situation, like I, I don't think we can judge this Collins trade until we know what they do with the space that they just created. Right. Mm. That's one of those things where it's kind of the same deal with the Bradley Beal trade. I thought where it was like, okay, you traded Bradley Beal for nothing but a bunch of seconds and Chris Paul. It's like, well, actually we traded Bradley Beal for Jordan pool and a future first. So it's like, yeah. that's still not great, but for a guy with a no trade clause, like it's just, it's not the, it's not the first move. It's the totality of the moves. And I think that that's definitely where the Hawks front office is uh, kind of banking on fixing that by making it look like a smart move to get off of John Collins, even though he was a talented player. Yeah. And I mean, from a Pacers perspective, I saw this a lot on social media that they would have, that fans would have been okay with a buy low like this. And I was one of them. Yeah, and I mean, you can make the case that Daniel Tice in a second that the Pacers have is equal to what the Jazz gave up or even potentially better. I mean, so do you think the Pacers made a mistake here by not going that route? Um, It's hard to say if the Pacers made a mistake without knowing what they do. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair, fair. But uh, I mean... I think looking at the way the Pacers books are set up, and we were talking about this before we started, Halliburton's max extension kicking in, uh, presumably next year, is going to change the way this team operates as a, like from a financial standpoint, right? So adding that 25 to 27 million or whatever it would have been for the next couple of years, that is a pretty big commitment when his shooting has been down since his finger injury. I think that was in the playoffs two years ago or something like that. And so he's, yeah, he's 25.3, 26.5, 26.5 over the next three years. So you're looking at two years of about 26.5 million of John Collins while Halliburton's on his max. And that gets into Neesmith extension, Duarte extension, Benedict Matherin extension, Andrew Nemhard's going to be free. Like there's just so many guys coming up that you're like, well, you could probably make it work. Like you just take the talented player for free and figure it out later. But I also don't mind the Pacers looking at a tweener big and being like, Hey, we, we don't have to do that. We just drafted one kind of. And also we don't really need to go out of our way to use our cap space like that. When I don't know if they are, that wasn't the move for them. Right. I think they're going to look for more of like a three, four, Mm -hmm. And I think that if, like I said, if they can pull something off to where it looks like, okay, this is much preferred to John Collins in the same way that Atlanta is probably going to try to, then I think it'll look good. If they don't do something, uh, I'll have some questions, but then again, it'll be a long-term perspective. So we'll probably forget about it. Yeah. My, my biggest thing about this whole thing was the Pacers clearly just did not want to be tied up to John Collins for three years at that number. I also think the Pacers maybe just don't believe in the fit with John Collins as well. Um, with what they're trying to do. I think they feel like there's some better options out there. And by taking on a deal like this, you pretty much are uh, throwing out your flexibility and free agency and trades because you're going to be taking on so much more money in an lopsided trade like this. I think the Jazz had over $40 million when they took this trade on, and they still have close to 20-something, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it's not like it was an end-of-the-world trade for them because they still have the ability to kind of be more... Uh, 
flexible with what they're trying to do where the Pacers were kind of like, yeah, you can have projected 32 million, but if you bring on someone that's, you know, making 27 and you give up nine, well, you know, that's still $18 million coming off your books or coming onto your books. And you have only 13 million then to make a play. And that's not that much. So that's, you know, that's right above a a full mid-level exception. So um, barely above it, but it's right there in that same frame and you have you're competing with a lot more teams at that point so i i just think that the flexibility is huge and if you listen to our mailbag podcast you heard me and Fachi just rave about the idea of harrison barnes here on a two-way on a two-year deal and one thing that i didn't bring up on that episode that i was talking with red about before and i'm curious your thoughts on this you know oj and has been the target for basically the moment he made a comment to tyrese halliburton on the floor I think Pacer fans have been eyeing him for a while now because he is a 3-4 type of guy that would make a ton of sense here. Um, If he opts out of his player option next year and is a free agent, you're going to want to be able to get back into the OG and an OB pool. You want to dip your toe in that. So going after Barnes for a two-year deal makes a lot of sense because it's a lot easier to move a guy on an expiring contract than a guy that's got two to three years on his deal making a lot of money, specifically in the new CBA. So if they feel like OG is the guy, they can cut Barnes after one year, They can keep Barnes maybe and try to figure out some other salaries to get OG. But also at the end of the day, if OG happens to opt into his player option, then you have Barnes still for another year. And then when Barnes is off the book, you know, Jairus might be ready to start. He's still on his contract. You go get OG, figure out what you're going to do with Miles. And I think that makes a lot of sense. So I don't know if you're in alignment there with me, Rhett, but that's where I'm going with that one. Yeah, I think the new CBA is telling us right now that if you have long-term money, of a guy that you aren't sure what he is or you aren't sure how he can impact winning, he's basically worthless. Like that, that is very rude. That is obviously nothing against the person, but like the contract just does, it does not matter what you provide on the court. Like Jordan Poole is better as like an asset quote unquote than Chris Paul, not in the new CBA. Like Mm -hmm. I think Chris Paul is better than Jordan Poole right now for winning actual important basketball games, but not in the new CBA for the Warriors. And so I, I I definitely get the flexibility aspect of that. And I think that looking at a guy like Harrison Barnes or really anybody like Tobias Harris, Gordon Hayward, all, all kind of in similar situations, at least is what the uh, big old expiring contract. But it's you. I think with with all of this, these rules that are changing, you have to nail your big contracts. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially with a team like Indiana, like the Clippers, they don't care. The Golden State, they like kind of care, but also they don't really care. We we're gonna have to nail all of our contracts, and so not being certain of what John Collins is and how that fit is gonna be, I don't mind not taking that swing. But setting yourself up to bring in a guy like OG Ananobi, uh, who I think has been a target since the second we drafted TJ Leaf, uh, not just when he started talking. <laughs> yeah, to let's let's be Stalin. honest. <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, what a terrible draft pick. My God. Oh, geez. Um. But yeah, he's been the target forever, and so keeping yourself, you know, the optionality is the is the buzzword for the Pacers this whole offseason, but giving yourself the chance to pivot to something like that is probably the highest priority, and that's probably another reason why the John Collins just didn't really make a ton of sense for the Pacers where they are right now. Yeah, and I'll just throw this out there too because I'm just thinking about different things, and as we look at next year's salary, like not this upcoming season, uh, but the year after that, you know, Buddy Hill's going to be off the books. He's an unrestricted free agent. Daniel Tice has a team option. 
I want to say McConnell's contract is like a partial guarantee on that year if they need to cut him to make the space to go out and make a play at OG. Jordan Morris, $3 million will come off the book. Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson will both be free agents. You could let them go. You could, you know, uh, figure out what you want to do there, make them restricted free agents and and let them enter that. I think after year two, they can go into restricted free agency um, if you don't pick up their team option for year three and year four or whatever. But uh, there's a lot of different ways. Uh, Neesmith, like you said, will be off the books too, unless they extend him this off season. So yeah, there's a lot of different things that could help them get that money they need. And that's why like getting Barnes on that contract for a two-year deal makes a ton of sense. But I also agree with you, uh, trading for Tobias, trading for Gordon Hayward, someone that can kind of be a stopgap for a year, makes your team better for a year, hopefully gets you some development along the way with these young players, can maybe get you into the playoffs with this team if you want to get that experience and then get back into the free agency class of next year. Because, I mean, free agency is going to be tough, and I think it's going to continue to be difficult. But, you know, you want to get into this before you get Tyrese on his max, but if it's not a doable option, there are options you can do in the in the offseason. If you kind of just keep this core together and just bring in someone like a Harrison Barnes or a Tobias Harris. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they try to go that route, but I think they still want to improve the roster uh, significantly. I think they're Which still going to... Harrison Barnes would be an improvement on this roster. A massive Absolutely. improvement. You know, absolutely. I, I saw a tweet today and it kind of ticked me off a little bit. Just like they're like, yeah, because signing Harrison Barnes makes us an instant title contender. And I'm like, what free agent out there is making the Pacers right now an instant title contender? I got <laughs> one answer for you. Zilch zero. None. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, what do you what are you expecting from this Pacers team at this point? Like your expectations are just out of this world. They're stupid. Uh so, yeah, I know I'm rambling, Red. I apologize, but I'm just thinking out loud. Like, there's so many different ways they can go about building this monster. And while I would probably be a little bit sad to not see a, a sexy offseason because it's always fun, uh, getting Harrison Barnes, adding him to the mix as your 15th guy on this team, uh, maybe do some minor stuff on the side. But if you kept this core basically together, let them develop one more year, Maybe you get another good draft pick. Maybe you don't. Maybe you make the playoffs. Maybe you make the play-in, get some experience. But uh, it just allows you. I, I just think this is why they're going to try to trade for OG multiple times this offseason and potentially at the trade deadline because getting those bird rights makes it much easier to bring him back with the Tyrese Halliburton extension kicked in. Yeah, it's one of those things where anytime I'm looking at a transaction, it's like, okay, does this restrict your flexibility? If yes is it worth restricting your flexibility? Like, does it make you so market? So like obviously better that it's worth it. If yes, then okay. Like what's the asset cost. Okay. Keep going down that decision train and make yourself better. If it's not worth your flexibility, then it's not worth considering if it's worth your flexibility, but it doesn't make you that much better. It's not worth considering. And I think that that's so much of what all of this off season is going to be. Cause we, like you just said, the Pacers are not one move away from title contention. They're probably not even one move away from a first round series win like yeah. there's so much that needs to go into this team why would you use anything more than you have to to make an upgrade that you don't actually care about mm -hmm. right like it you know could we get chris middleton probably why like why would you why would you want to do that like he's good yeah. sure but that's not that's not the move um so i'm i don't know i'm i think 
that the Pacers front office is thinking in those terms, definitely trying to keep the, the optionality, but also making that, that improvement to get some experience. And I think that Harrison Barnes fits right neatly into that spot, whether that be the three or the four starting, whatever that's going to look like. Yeah. And another name that I've thrown out before Dorian Finney Smith, I think uh, he makes around $13 million for the next couple of years. So uh, he's a very cost effective uh, three, four that could make a lot of sense with this team as well. Um, Yep. You know, it's not going to cost you near as much as Harrison Barnes probably will because Barnes is going to have other suitors. But if you could make a trade to get Dorian Penny Smith, I don't know what it would, that trade would be. I don't know what assets you're trading to get him, but you know, you do have some assets to play with. You got a lot of second round picks. You've you've got an extra first in next year's draft that you could throw the Nets way. The Nets obviously uh, need picks. Uh, they got the Suns picks, and they don't have their own, so. All of theirs are basically to the Rockets for like five to six years left in a row because of the James Harden trade. So I'm sure they would like to stockpile some first. I know they want to be competitive too. So uh, because they don't really have a choice. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's it's one of those where I, I could see DFS not being on the move. But if they bring back Cam Johnson, they got Mikael Bridges, I think there could be a chance to try to go out there and snag somebody like that that makes some sense. But uh, another player that you brought to my attention as someone that could be very exciting for this team, and I don't know what it would cost to get him, is Trey Murphy the third. So talk to me a little bit more about Trey because we've I've brought him up a few times on the pod, but I, I know this is your guy. I want to give you all the opportunity here. I don't want to steal your thunder because when I first brought his name up, it's because of a conversation me and Red had off air via text message. So Red is here now to kind of take ownership of this take and, and get fans more excited about it. Yeah. So before we hopped on, I I just listened to the two mailbag episodes that you guys did, which were a great listen. And you mentioned Trey Murphy. And so I wanted to go through and look to see if I had tweeted that I would take Trey Murphy with pick 13 in the 2021 draft rather than Chris Duarte. I can't find the tweet, but uh, like in (laughs) mid-August of 2021, uh, I said that Trey Murphy would end up starting for the Pelicans that year. And it didn't happen. He played 13 minutes a game, which was really dumb. And then this past year, he started 60-something games, shot almost 50-40-90, hit 41% of his six-and-a-half threes a game. Like He's just an absolute – he's just a stud. He's six foot nine, two ten. Like he's just, he's just good. I just, I, I like him a lot, and he is the exact kind of player that I can't help but like uh, because he's just massive and does a little bit of everything while being efficient from the floor, from three and the line. He shot ninety one percent from the line this year. Yeah, he's averaging ninety percent from the line across his two years in the NBA. I don't know. He's just, he's fantastic. Great size. Uh, was in the dunk contest and would have won if not for I mean, Mac McClung was pretty incredible, but yeah. yeah, he's a very versatile guy. So he's just exciting. I'm, I would love to have Trey Murphy on my team. I, I feel like this Pelicans roster is so deep that they don't even know what to do with it. And but they don't have anybody who can do what Trey Murphy can do either. Like that was true. my whole point about him starting his rookie year. It's like, Hey, who has this size? Brandon Ingram, who can shoot like this? Brandon Ingram, who else? Crickets. No one. Yeah. Yeah, and Zion can't stay healthy. He could be a trade target. I mean, the players they brought in uh, via the draft, besides Trey Murphy, have not been that exciting. Uh, your Dyson Daniels couldn't get off the, uh, you know, on the court, couldn't get off the bench. Jackson Hayes has been just a complete, uh, I won't want to say bust, but it's surely just not worked out for him there. Kyra Lewis hasn't been good. 
honestly, I, I honestly can't think of any. I mean, her Jones was a good second round pickup that they he was second round, right? Yes. Okay, that's right. Uh, and where was Alvarado? Was he undrafted or was he second round? Alvarado's well? undrafted, I believe. Yeah. So good value there, targeting some guys that were like undrafted second round guys. And Najee Marshall actually had some nice moments for them as well. But yeah, you're talking. You know, this is a this was a very interesting team that could go a bunch of different ways. And yeah, there's been some talks that they would love Miles Turner. Uh, I think that we can go back to John Collins and just look at the Miles Turner stuff because those two have been in so many trade rumors, you know, at the same time, I, I feel like you said, Rhett, if the Pacers were to like trade miles for someone like this uh, in a similar deal, like a buy low type thing for like a miles, like I think Pacer nation would lose their mind. And rightfully so. I think that the Pacers value miles much more than the Hawks value Collins. So that's why we never saw a deal done. Even when they had Sabonis, Four miles is just because they were not getting the offers that they felt they deserved for miles and credit to them for sticking to their guns because I think miles proved how valuable he is at this team last year. But yeah, I just think, you know, a six, nine wing that can play like that. That's really hard to find. If the Pelicans are stupid, uh, they would not, you know, give him this big contract offer. But I, I think that if he hits restricted free agency, a team might prime away because with the new CBA, the Pelicans might be a team that doesn't want to pay that second apron, uh, be a second apron team. They don't want to pay that tax. So with Zion, with Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCollum on their roster, it's going to get pretty funky down there. Trey Murphy is the third most valuable player on that team. And mm. the only reason that he's not ahead of Zion, obviously it's Zion. He's not ahead of Zion, but Zion just doesn't play. So yeah. like that makes it hard. Um, so I would be absolutely floored if they moved him. But if they did, uh, I would instantly be a fan of the other team because that front office clearly knows what they're doing. But uh, no, it's, it is going to be just so fascinating to see all of the casualties of the new CBA, which isn't even entirely released yet right. heading into a free agency period where teams don't even know the rules that they're supposed to be operating under is absolutely wild. But uh, yeah, I, I think it really helps a team like the Pacers who does have their books in order, who has no bad long-term money at all. The, the bigger contracts that they have are relative, they expire either this year or uh, next. And so it's, it's a good spot to be in for sure. I, I think the, the impatience is not really warranted considering when this rebuild started and how well it's gone since then. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's also like, again, is this move worth all of the, all of your optionality going out the window? Almost certainly no. So let's just see what comes next. Totally agree. Um, Herb Jones, is that a guy that could be uh, some of the Pacers' target in free agency? Yeah, I would think so. I believe if Did he get the, his option picked up? Uh, I don't think it has come through yet. His team option, I think it's the 30th. Okay. I think it's June 30th. Um, the 29th. So it's a couple okay. days. So that'll um, be Thursday. Thursday the 29th. Yeah, so he's in a similar situation to what O'Shea was in last year. No, I don't know. His contract situation is a little bit weird. Uh, I, I can almost assure you they're going to pick up that club option for $1.8 But I can see him definitely being one of the people who ends up getting squeezed just because he's the one that gets paid the soonest. Like, you can't, you just can't ignore the impact that that's going to have on their decision making. And uh, it's kind of a bummer that that's kind of how it works, but 
some teams going to get lucky and get an elite perimeter defender. No, I, I totally agree, man. So this was a lot of fun. Obviously, we're just getting started with what's going to be a crazy summer. The draft happened. We finally got that out of the way. We we saw some interesting trades happen before that. Obviously, a big one with Bradley Beal going to Phoenix. Kristaps uh, going to Boston. Marcus Smart going or Marcus Smart going to Memphis, and then uh, Jordan Poole going to the Wizards. Chris Paul going to the Warriors. I mean, that's a lot of movement before the draft, and then the draft provided uh, not a lot of drama, but it was a fun draft. I think that this is a pretty decent uh, draft class. So, Brett, uh, go ahead and plug yourself. Let people know where they can find you at on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and maybe share some of the stuff you got going on right now. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer, R-H-E-T-T underscore B-A-U-E-R. I do not have Instagram, but you can find me anything that I'm doing on my Twitter page. I have a link tree posted up top to all of the uh, Pacer stuff, NBA stuff, and fantasy basketball stuff that I've written and uh, done podcasts about, and that's pretty much it. I've got a – I'm going to try to post a Pacers free agency – primer for the players they should be targeting here in the next couple of days but i re- i really want to get it done before free agency obviously but uh i'm just trying to trying to get that out there so no i love it man so me and Fachi will be back we got three episodes coming for you guys later this week um i know we're going to be doing a top 10 free agents podcast so that'll be a fun one if you listen to the mailbag you might have an idea or this podcast you might have an idea on some of the names that we might be targeting in free agency but there's still other moves the Pacers could make in free agency as well, so make sure you guys tune into that. We're going to have Derek Murray on to cover the draft and get his thoughts on what the Pacers did. Always enjoy having Derek on. I think last year he even said that um, the Pacers, he thought Asar Thompson would be a good pick for the Pacers. Uh, he obviously went before the Pacers were even there on the board, so um, Derek's very in the know with what's going on. And then me and Fachi have another special episode we're going to talk about. Maybe some... Uh, similarities that the Pacers could do that what the Jazz did today taking on John Collins are there any other players out there where the Pacers could kind of be a place for a team to salary dump and pick up some assets maybe in the in the process so we're gonna look at that and 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 some other options and the latest rumors but with that being said everybody thanks so much for tuning in if you like what you're listening to give us a five-star rating and review and Rhett if you're excited for the Pacers off-season moves ahead of them hit me with those three words let's go Pacers Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth. Tax day is coming. Oh no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.